neutralize the risk. So you may have one or two things where you're going a little bit aggressive in the market, uh, but hold a portion of your portfolio, which, yes, is lower yielding. Welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money, because whether or not we like it, money matters. I am your host, Maya Fisher-French. Now, interest rates, since the beginning of this pandemic, which we are now nearly two years into, um, have, be, have actually fallen by 30%. So this is great for those of us who borrow money and with bonds and debt repayment, but it's pretty dire if you are somebody who's investing for cash or you've been relying on income from cash investments. So our conversation today is around whether cash is now trash or if it still has a place in your portfolio. And to provide some expert insights, I'm joined by Mabule Setwaba, who is Corporate Cash Manager at Investing Bank Limited. So welcome, Mabule, um, onto the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast. Thank you, Maya. It's great to be with you on the show. So, Mabule, one of the reasons I wanted to, to, to actually have you on is I remember uh, writing an article in 2018 all about the way cash had outperformed. I mean, it outperformed not only the inflation, I mean, it outperformed inflation by three or four percent. I mean, it was giving real returns. It was outperforming the stock market. Uh, you know, you, you kind of had wanted to sit in cash. And, but those days are very much gone. And I would argue probably that the 2018, I think 2018, 2019 was, was a little bit of anomaly anyway. Um, would you agree? Yeah, look, I mean, it, it definitely was a very interesting time. And um, you, you're correct. And in preparation for our conversation, I looked at some stats. Uh, going back to July 2019, you know, for the 12-month period, cash had done 7.3%. And you compare that to the all-bond index, which at the time was at 8.1%. And uh, the all-share, believe it or not, was uh, at 2.2%. So you actually had the riskiest asset class out of, out of that, uh, that grouping. Uh, given the lowest yield. But um, yeah, rates have definitely come down uh, quite significantly. And uh, and we all understand with the context of COVID, uh, I think the Reserve Bank needed to take some extraordinary measures uh, to try and protect the economy and to get things going. But mm-hmm. um, for depositors and cash investors, it does mean you are, you, you are getting a much, much uh, lower yield. So, but no, Maya, um, I, I don't believe uh, cash is trash and there is always a place for cash in, in your portfolio. And and I can certainly understand the perspective of someone who holds a cash position and is looking to live off that money. Uh, if you look at what most money market funds are returning at the moment, it's about 4%. And with the latest statistics, inflation is sitting at about 4.4. Now, that's obviously not an ideal uh, scenario. However, you do have uh, investors who will hold cash, you know, for opportunistic investment. As things are moving in the economy and in the market, it it really does make sense to have a portion of your portfolio sitting in cash, liquid and ready for you to take advantage of of opportunities as and when they arise in in the market. Another trend that we see is uh, where, where clients or investors have gone into some higher risk type of investments. They tend to actually use cash as a mechanism to neutralize the risk. So you may have one or two things where you're going a little bit aggressive in the market, uh, but hold a portion of your portfolio, which yes, is lower yielding, but uh, on a portfolio basis, lowers the overall risk uh, that uh, that the client is exposed to. 
And I mean, you just think about it also almost as a lifestyle risk. And I suppose I'd call that your emergency fund, you know, but you, you, you I think COVID showed that to us, you know, you don't always want to have your assets sitting in, in a long-term growth fund and then life happens and you suddenly need to access at least six months of your living expenses. So I suppose there's always a place. And I think that if you understand cash as the risk-free investment, the one that you can kind of count on and, and sleep at night, knowing that you at least have that um, as, as part of your portfolio, it allows you, as you said, to take risk on, on your other investments. So it's, it is actually, it actually allows for risk, I suppose, in a way. Well, it, it does. And, and, and interestingly, you know, you, you use the word risk free. I always say it's much on the much lower uh, end of the risk spectrum. And uh, we, investors really need to be incredibly careful about that. You know, you, we, we see clients who have gone into investments like money market funds, uh, which historically have actually performed really well, perceived to be risk-free. Uh, but when there are credit events that happen in, in the market, you, you may remember uh, the African bank, um, you know, uh, um, uh, default on, on, some of, on some of their bonds. That actually translated into... Uh, holders of those money market funds losing a, a small portion of, 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 their, of their cash. So you assessing the risk of the vehicle that you use for your cash investment becomes really important in, in that context. Uh, you know, bank deposits, uh, you are exposed to whichever counterparty bank you are, you are depositing with. And uh, those really are supposed to be capital protected uh, to the extent the bank continues as, as, a, as, as a going concern. So, so yes, I think assessing risk uh, in that equation becomes an incredibly uh, important proportion uh, in, in the equation. And I think that you, you're touching on, you know, your money market funds versus your fixed deposits and that. And so maybe just for, for our podcast listeners, just I think I find often people get confused between what those all are. So maybe we can, I mean, a fixed deposit is, as you said, usually with a bank and a single bank and you put the money in there um, and you agree to a term that you're going to leave it in there. And a money market bank account, does that work in the same way? Is it, is it just a single part, party risk there? Yeah, so I, I do think this is one of the areas where you have to look very carefully uh, at, at the terms of the product that you are, you are going into. Uh, just because a, a product is a bank product does not mean it is, it is bank guaranteed or capital protected. Um, so yeah, you do get your normal deposit products, which may be prime linked, notice deposit, fixed deposits, uh, where, where the bank backs that product. Uh, what the banks have done in, in recent times, you know, to really compete with, uh, with the rest of the cash industry was to create deposit products, uh, which references money markets uh, to calculate the return that the depositor ends. So in that scenario, because the deposit is sitting on the bank's balance sheet, then that depositor enjoys the protection and the capital security uh, that all the other depositors of, of, of the bank uh, do. Uh, where, where you need to be careful is where perhaps you may have a structured cash investment product that might still be with, with a bank and it may reference a few other things uh, other than just the money market, uh, uh, rather uh, using the money market as a, as a reference point. Uh, and that is where there, there could be potential risk. But typically, yes, the money market uh, deposits offered by banks are actually deposits uh, as defined and, and enjoy all the benefits uh, mm -hmm. that uh, other depositors do. 
So maybe you'll explain then what a money market unit trust is, because that's obviously very different. So now you're you're not it's not a single bank risk, um, and it's the money market unit trusts that were specifically knocked by the African bank scenario, for example. Uh, so maybe just explain how, because those are definitely carry. They tend to have better returns. Uh, they do tend to outperform your your money market bank accounts or your fixed deposits, but every every time you outperform, you tend to have risk. So maybe just unpack that. <laughs> I think that's an that's an important thing, Maya. You know, the the risk return relationship is something that's very difficult uh, to to get away from. And um, what happens with the with the money market unitized funds is uh, uh, the the portfolio manager will go out into the market and look look for various interest bearing uh, assets. You know, they, they may invest actually in uh, in bonds issued by banks. Uh, but they may also invest in things like corporate bonds, uh, which are slightly higher risk uh, in, in, in their nature. And uh, that is actually how they are able to achieve the higher return. So between the mix of the underlying bonds that they invest in and, and also playing with the term structure, you know, you could find a manager who invests in, in slightly longer dated paper, uh, which then helps the fund as a whole to, to give a higher return. But with all of those dynamics, there is a degree of risk uh, that, that is being uh, introduced. Now, the unit trust makes it easier for a retail investor to access uh, mm. that, that investment. Essentially, it is unitized. And instead of having to invest uh, a million rands at a time, a retail investor is able to purchase a thousand rands monthly or 10,000 rand. It makes it a lot more uh, accessible. So yes, the, 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 the return is higher. Uh, but then there is an inherent risk, and that's something that 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 uh, sorry, there is an underlying risk uh, rather in 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 the product, and that, that is something that most uh, investors don't really go and investigate. You know, you you look at the return uh, of of the fund, and it really is that absolute return that people see that attracts them uh, in into that fund without necessarily un understanding or assessing what are the instruments which are held in 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 that fund. I think that's. That's one thing uh, that, uh, that that depositors and investors need to be careful of. The other thing is um, is of course fees. Um, you know, when you do go into unit trusts and uh, and alternative investments, there may be platform fees. There may be, and they very likely are management fees uh, because the fund management team that does the research needs, needs to be paid, uh, and and those things actually can erode the return. Uh, that uh, that an investor gets. So whereas with with a bank product, typically uh, direct, I think investors still do need to look at what fees they are being charged in in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Just one point that I want to highlight, uh, Maya. You know, to to be competitive, what a number of banks have done is they've looked at the return that is being offered by various money market funds, and you find a scenario where a bank looks at the top five performing money market funds or the top four and takes the average of those uh, those funds to determine the return on their own uh, bank deposit product. And the net effect of that is actually the investor is able to pick up a higher return, um, uh, which is in line with money market funds without necessarily picking up the, the common sort of risk. So I think that's a very innovative you know, product development that's come through in the banking sector that does help investors in a way uh, gets slightly better returns.
Well, this this search for yield, which is in, in many cases, or, or trying to attract deposits, um, especially retail deposits. So we can maybe just unpack that a little bit. That you know, with Basel three coming in, uh, banks, the, the way that 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 the kind of um, deposits that a bank had to has to now hold um, changed, and it was a lot cheaper for banks to go and get those deposits from from depositors, I suppose, in going and borrowing it into, into, in, uh, from other banks or from, from the reserve banks. So this was, I think, also drove, if I remember correctly, in 2018, this was actually what drove so many of those deposits. That's why uh, the interest rates, that's why you were getting, your, your bank was giving you such great interest rates because they were looking for deposits. Has that changed now? Are, are banks, are you guys still looking for, for money? I think I think more so. Like I, I do think that the interest rate environment uh, around 2018 was driven by the broader macro factors. But but regulation always plays uh, plays a big role. Uh, and and historically, the way banks funded themselves was to go to a handful of really large institutional investors. And when the Reserve Bank looks at this, what it does is that it causes systemic risk. You know, there are a few large players in the market. Uh, where, where banks are actually who banks are reliant on uh, to generate fundings, and also from the bank's perspective, you know, if you've got one large institutional investor uh, who takes out ten billion rands or whatever the case might be, uh, that changes the structure of of your your balance sheet materially. So going back to actually the global financial crisis of uh, two thousand and eight, there, there's been a greater emphasis uh, on on the need for banks to generate. Uh, or, or to attract a greater proportion of their deposits from the retail market. And, and that's where you really started seeing the shift and, and banks being innovative uh, in, in, in trying to get that funded. So from a Basel perspective, as you correctly, um, as you correctly point out, you know, we, we talk about the efficiency of the funding that you generate. Uh, it is much, much more attractive uh, for a bank to have you know, a hundred thousand depositors who are giving us a thousand rents each uh, than one one investor who gives us a hundred million. Mm. Um, and that that's you know also quite key with with Basel three is that they look at also the the risk or the stickiness of the money. So the longer you you the longer the deposit or it's the fixed deposit, the 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 better the quality of the deposit is in terms of of the regulator. So we see again the longer you you prepare to invest your money for, sometimes the bigger upside. And you even spoke about longer dated um, paper being used to enhance returns. So how does it from a Retail um, investors' perspective: How do they take advantage of that uh, to make sure that they at least trying to find, even if it's just a 025 percent more than they're currently getting? Yeah, so so banks will will reward uh, depositors for the term structure uh, is uh, is the language that that we use. Uh, maybe just to take a, a step back, you know, we you spoke about um, uh, uh, borrowers uh, of uh, of the bank. Well, Typically, if you think about the assets that uh, that a bank funds, uh, you'll have auto loans, home loans. Those are twenty-year uh, loans that are that are being made. And on the other side, the deposits that you are getting are overnight or one-month type of deposits. So there's a very significant mismatch between the assets and liabilities of of the bank. Uh, the bank is very strongly therefore incentivized uh, to increase the term structure of of our deposit base. Uh, which then means we have got a greater appetite uh, for paying a higher return for that. So for depositors who are looking for, you know, a yield enhancement without necessarily moving up on, on the risk care, 
Uh, one very effective way of doing that is by increasing the duration of your deposit. So moving your money out of uh, call deposit or 30-day deposit, looking at going into six months or 12-month uh, type of deposit. And some people go as far out as even five years. Uh, that, that will create um, uh, an, an enhancement uh, to, to, to the return that, that an investor can, can get. But, but my a very important thing to always consider, you know, with things like that is, is the interest rate cycle that, that you, you are in. I, think I was about to ask you exactly that. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you want to fix now, where are we at the interest rate cycle? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's the interesting thing because, you know, in, in as much as the market gives an indication of where we think rates are going and uh, in pricing these fixed deposit products, you know, banks take that into account. But if, if you fix your money for a year and interest rates go up by 25 basis points and then another 25 uh, are shortened, you might actually find yourself earning a, a slightly lower return than you would have had you, had you waited. So, so in an environment like this, it, it actually is, you know, technically clients go into probably notice deposit products, uh, become a little bit more, more effective uh, and, and an efficient way of getting that yield pickup. Because with a notice deposit product, what, what happens is you, you can give either 30 days or 60 days or 90 days notice. Now, your money isn't locked in uh, for a two-year period uh, or a five-year period, but you in 30 days, you can give notice to say, I need to withdraw the money. I need to switch out of the investment uh, and, and go into something that, uh, that gives a higher return. So that, that's something that's always worthwhile you know, for, for, for investors to, to think about. But we've also got step-ups, uh, step-up deposit products is you, you put your cash down today. Uh, if it's invested for a 30-day or a 60-day period, you get maybe a 5 or 10 basis point uh, increase uh, to the rate that, uh, that, that you're earning. So, you know, there are a few things that, uh, that investors can, can look at. Uh, instead of just being fixed or staying call, uh, it's a good time to be considering things like notice deposit products and, and step up alternatives. And I know some of the banks, I think Invesix, one of them, offer also prime rent. So if the prime rent moves, you you will move with the prime rent as well. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the benefit when you're in this kind of uh, market cycle. So you and I spoke about the money market uh, funds uh, where, where the asset manager might lengthen the term structure of some of the underlying assets uh, in, in, in that fund. The disadvantage of that is that when rates do move, it takes quite a bit of time for those underlying assets to reprice and therefore for the investor to get the full benefit of, of the rate increase. Whereas uh, if you are in a prime linked product, uh, typically as uh, the Reserve Bank increases the prime rate, uh, so do all the banks um, and, uh, and you get the immediate benefit from that. So it's definitely a time to be, I mean, you certainly in 2018 wanted to lock in, right? But now, uh, because it was, it was so high. But um, even, I mean, even if, even if you didn't know COVID was coming, it was quite obvious that those rates were, were really high. But I think now, yeah, what, what is your, what's your gut feel if I had to put your head on the block by the end of, well, within the next year, what, what kind of rate hikes do you think we could see? Well, it's a little bit dangerous for me to go down that path because I, I'm not an economist, uh, Maya. But uh, what, what I will say is that there seems to be, you know, when when you look at uh, where where the overnight 
uh, lending rate is between the bank, the Jaiba rate, uh, you, you can actually see that rate has been increasing, uh, which tells you that the banks do expect uh, a, a rate hike. Um, you know, probably 25 basis points is what we would get if we get anything um, in, in, in Q4 of 2021. But uh, the inflation rate has also been rising, you know, at, at 4.4. It's, it's still very well within, within the band. Uh, there is a degree of nervousness in, in the market. You know, if the sub hikes rates uh, too quickly, our economy is still very fragile. Uh, so that, that might be a reason for them to, to hold back uh, and, and defer it to, to next year. So if, if I had to put my head on the block, uh, I would say probably will be neutral uh, still in the last quarter. I think I'm going against the market because 25 basis points uh, seems, be, seems to be priced in. But um, yeah, we, we don't try to take a view on the rate market. Um, we, we really develop a range of products uh, which enables our clients to be able to uh, put their money away safely through, throughout the market cycles. Well, I think it is safe to say, as a bank, um, that we are moving into an uh, interest rate increasing cycle. So, so therefore, the strategy of a notice deposit, um, you know, not not perhaps locking in for five years, perhaps um, you know, linked uh, prime linked accounts. That's probably the way you should be you should be locking in in this specific environment. Now, when that rate increases comes, and how much will be, we won't predict. But I think we're all comfortable. We're not about to see a rate cut any time soon. I, I yeah. think there's definitely consensus that we're in a rate increasing cycle. Um, I, I haven't seen any market commentators talking about uh, talking about a cut. Look, we we are at uh, we are at multi-decade lows uh, at at the moment in in South Africa, and and I think that's that's a very interesting dynamic. You know, when you think about um, the psychology of our, of our investors, um, I, I, you know, if you look at the average interest rates in South Africa between 1998 and 2021. That was sitting at 12.13% uh, over that period. And what we've seen over the past probably five, six years, we had been at about seven, eight. That's what people were able to get out of, uh, out of, out of cash investment products. And being where we are at the moment, there, there are two factors at play. You, you've got people who did a lot of their financial planning in an environment where they actually expected rates to be much higher than, than what they are. Now, instead of sitting and adjusting lifestyle, what actually then tends to happen is that um, investors start reaching for yields. So they move out of cash positions and they go and invest in something else because I really need that 7% uh, return, which is what I expected. But the risk with that is if uh, there is something that goes wrong with that underlying asset, you actually suffer capital loss. And uh, not only do you forego the, the interest that you would have earned, the return, but, but you lose a portion of, of your capital base. So again, you know, the, the core principles around uh, the, the risk return relationship is something that investors always need to bear in mind. Well, I mean, certainly you look at the bond market and I mean, they are, it's very attractive relative to cash, but of course, if we default, <laughs> becomes another, another whole thing. So yes, there's a risk that's being priced into our bond market and you can't pretend there isn't that risk. So I suppose that is it. It's all about, it's all about risk and return at the end of the day. But um, and, be, and, and and there's the daily volatility that comes with the price movement in, in, in those bonds. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think, again, for, for your conservative investor, uh, someone who really is, you know, possibly approaching retirement, you know, to the point we made mm -hmm. earlier, uh, what you really want is to know that 
if I put down 100,000 rands, uh, I am going to get a return, uh, firstly, but certainly I would like to get my capital back. Mm-hmm. And when you find yourself in an environment, uh, whether it's in bonds or equities, um, uh, where, where there is exposure uh, to volatility of that capital, that, that really is a materially different uh, risk uh, appetite uh, that's required from an investor there. And I must say, one of the things that I've also been looking at, uh, or considering my mom's a retiree, is is actually using, and I must say, I'm, I, I, I sometimes get into trouble, I think I have got into trouble investing before for saying I'm not a fan of tax-free savings accounts for cash. Um, I know you have a tax-free savings account cash product. But for me, a retiree, it's actually a brilliant product because you can actually you can build up your cash in a, in a tax-free savings account because cash still gets taxed. Yeah. You know, yes. 23,800 if you're under 65, and I think it's 34,000 odd, you can earn tax-free. But, you know, when you've got maybe 500,000 rand sitting in cash um, as a retiree, you start paying tax on it. So um, building up that balance in a, in a tax-free savings account as a retiree, I think, can be can be a really great strategy. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think, um, and, and that's where really good financial planning and advice plays a, plays a big role, you know, Um um, I spoke about managing costs and managing, you know, your potential uh, tax liability that comes with, with your investment. Uh, it, it really is important uh, for, for depositors, investors uh, to, to take good advice, uh, to really look at it very carefully and, and make sure that they minimize the friction costs, uh, you know, in, 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 in investments. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes investors are tempted to also switch, you know, I'll sit in one product and, uh, I see something that's performing quite well. I switch into into a different uh, product, but by doing that, you you're probably losing five, ten, fifteen basis points every time you are moving that money around. It doesn't feel like a lot at the point when it's being done, but when you look at it cumulatively and over a longer period of time, uh, it, it becomes it becomes very important. So absolutely, uh, proper tax planning, considering tax free savings, uh, is 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 a very good strategy. And one thing I want to ask you to end off talking about planning is, you know, foreign cash, foreign exchange cash. Um, When you look at, you get zero interest, like nothing, okay? So you think our interest rates are bad. I think in Germany now, I've got a friend who lives in Germany, he actually has to pay the bank for he gets back less than what he puts in. So they say, okay, you leave your money with us, but we're going to charge you for it. Um, And and you don't actually even get any return, or I mean, get less than your money back. So do you think that there is, yeah, what are your, your thoughts about why would somebody sit with cash offshore? Like in cash. Yeah, so firstly, I mean, with uh, South Africans, externalization of assets has been a very strong trend uh, over the years. And, and uh, looking at publicly available information, in, uh, in 2020, 150 billion rands uh, left, uh, left South Africa. Um, and, and, and that is actually only through the intermediated uh, market. And when we analyze where that, that money Sorry, so I have goes, to stop you there. Sorry, I have to stop you there. So the intermediate market, so this is financial planners and advisors. This oh. is through financial planners, advisors, uh, treasury outsources. Uh, that's 150 billion rand. Billion. With, uh, with a B. Not corporates. Yeah. This is South Africans externalizing their assets. There will be some corporate money that's that's in there, but it's 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 going to exclude the large corporate um, transactions that are, that are done. Uh, so the stats that we look at is provided 
uh, the facilitation of the externalization was done by an advisor or, 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 or a forex intermediary. So it, it excludes your large corporate flows. Yeah, that's cool. correct. Okay, that's so a big very, very significant amount uh, that, that has gone. And, and when we look at where that money has gone, uh, a, a lot of it has gone to, you know, offshore bank accounts. Uh, and granted, Maya, you know, that money doesn't sit there forever. Uh, I think a lot of it might uh, move on for onward investment after, after a period of time. But you asked the question around, you know, why would cli- uh, people do that? Um, there are a number of factors. The, the one is around uh, SA Inc. risk. Um, we talk to a lot of clients who say, who say, I actually need to diversify a portion of my portfolio uh, away from, from South Africa. And even if I am earning 0%, I am quite happy to do that. Um, the second is, is a school of thought that says, well, historically, the rand has always depreciated. So you may say that I'm getting 0% uh, in dollars, but after five years, when I convert it back and the rand is depreciated, actually, I get a little bit of margin. Now, I think uh, it was an interesting time for that philosophy uh, earlier this year when we strengthened to about 14 or 13.80 to the dollar because a lot of those, uh, that, that weakness had, had, been, had been reversed. Um, but uh, but the, it's, it's, a, it's a very strong theme. And, and what we see, and we were just talking about money market funds in, in a South African context, is actually a number of clients investing in offshore uh, money market funds. So still not looking to go into high risk investments, uh, but rather putting it in, in cash and near cash uh, solutions. So you, you will see the various banks in South Africa uh, also offering dollar denominated savings products. Um, and, um, and what we have done recently is to actually create a um, Dollar, uh, dollar, dollar deposit product, which also references um, US dollar denominated uh, funds. So very similar to the RAND environment where you take uh, the performance of the funds offshore and you use that as, as a proxy for the kind of uh, return that, uh, that you're going to pay investors. So and I think there's going to be a bit- At the moment, like what percentage are you getting? At the moment, instead of getting zero or having to pay the bank, you are getting about uh, 25, 30 basis points uh, on, on your cash. So, I mean, that is at least a positive return uh, in, instead of being negative. You know, we, we expect also that globally that rates are going to be going up. So as, as the Fed hikes rates and, um, you know, we, we'll see so far and the other benchmarks are starting to tick up, those products will also start um, yielding a, a higher return. Well, great. And thanks so much. I think that you've given, a, a, given us a lot of food for thought. Um, and, and I think for me, just to sum up, you know, cash plays a very important role as part of your insurance policies, actually. So, you know, it's there for, for you know, that, that just, it just says, right, I've got that amount of money I, that is just banked, so to speak. Um, and I think that's also where the offshore is playing a role. People may invest even in equities offshore, but they still want to know that you know, if I need to to leave, and I think I, ha- I don't even want to go down that that road. Um, it's such a you know emotional conversation, but a lot of people feel safer knowing that there is something there if 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 they need it. Um, and I think that's the, the role cash plays. But it doesn't mean you can make it. Le- you know, you leave it to be lazy. It can still work for you. And uh, so hopefully, get some tips on that. It definitely can. And um, you know, I, I don't think we advocate for. Uh, I don't think any investor can, you know, successfully grow their wealth by investing purely in cash. 
but it really goes back to the conversation we had right at the beginning about the place for cash in, in, in your portfolio. So, you know, as, as people are in different life stages and are thinking about their needs and, and their tolerance for risk, uh, appetite for taking on um, higher risk uh, in, in investments, it becomes important to consider how much cash you, you should be holding. And, and uh, you know, you, you need to consider emergencies, but you also do need to consider the things that you are planning for. Um, it's not just people who are nearing retirement. But you may have children who are going to be going to university next year uh, or going overseas to study there um, to, to make sure that you have got sufficient liquid funds to manage those uh, expenses as, as they come, come up becomes a very important part of financial planning and, and, and well-being. Well, thank you very much, Mwili, for sharing that with us today.